Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, I need to tell you about some of the aftermath of the Amazon data leak. You didn't know there was a data leak? It was a data leak. I want to tell you what to watch out for. Be careful out there. And coming up yet later, I want to talk about what happens when you do an online chat. I'm recommending those so much when you're having an issue or a problem with a company, but I want to tell you how some of it works behind the scenes. And if you have a question for me, you can always go to clark.com ask to post a question, and we'll see if we can answer it for you. There's a guy who is considered to be the daddy of the 401k plan. The guy's name is Ted Benna, and he found in an obscure federal code this provision that was actually in Section 401, Item K, and it led to the creation of the 401k roughly 40 years ago. And as the daddy of the 401k, he's not happy with how his creation is doing in middle age. And it was funny reading an interview with him in Barron's magazine. He trends almost exactly with what my frustrations have been. The plans are confusing, they're expensive, and they were designed in an era when people tended to go to work for one employer and likely stay with that employer for decades or an entire working lifetime. Things don't work that way. And one of the things hurting our nation's competitiveness is that small businesses are at a giant disadvantage because the way 401ks today are structured, well, they're just flat out costly for a small business to offer. And that's why somewhere close to half of American workers don't even have access to 401ks because so many of us work for smaller employers. So now that the 401k has been around so long, it's time for it to be extinguished. And I would replace it with the TED plan. Since TED's the guy who came up with the 401k, let's call the replacement the TED. And what I would have that be is something kind of like today's Roth IRA, but with higher contribution limits equivalent to what we now have in 401ks, and that any employer can match the money we put in a Roth IRA. It eliminates the employer having to be involved with running the plans. The, in, one of the weirdest things has happened in the last five years A lot of Roth IRAs now and traditional IRAs have lower costs than the 401ks offered by employers because of all the administrative stuff involved with running a 401k plan. And then you would eliminate two of the giant problems we have right now with 401ks. One is how people destroy their future retirement by borrowing against their 401ks. And two, how often people, when they change a job, just eat up their 401k money 
pay typically like 40% tax and penalties to spend the money instead of putting it in a new employer plan or a Roth. And it's just too confusing or a regular IRA. So back to basics, make it simple so that anybody, anywhere you work, could have a retirement plan and your employer would be free to contribute nothing to as much as they want up to the max each year into the plan, but it's your plan, you own it, you control it, and it's portable because it goes with you anywhere and everywhere because it's yours. You know, when I think about people in their uh, 20s and 30s, it's likely that they will have somewhere between 10 and 15 jobs in their core working years. That's 10 to 15 jobs that may or may not have a 401k, may involve enrollment paperwork, may involve picking and choosing funds. It's really a dinosaur, and it doesn't fit the modern era. It's for you, because I'm not your emperor, and I can't create the TED. That would require an act of, well, dysfunctional Washington. But for you... In a 401k, please participate because I'm stunned how many people have access to one who don't participate and not just to what the employer matches. Move beyond that. Put your money well diversified. Simplest choice, go in the target retirement fund choice for the year closest to when you think you're going to retire. Avoid the temptation to borrow against your plan. And when you switch jobs, don't blow the money. Kim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kim. That is such great advice, Clark, that I heard out of your mouth maybe 25 years ago, and I did it. Really? That's awesome. Well, you made me. I was 20 years old and making money, and you said, if you don't save it now, you never will. And so now you're independently wealthy? Absolutely. I'm retired in Bend, Oregon. Good for you. Well, great. Well, Kim, I think we should reveal, because I can tell your voice. You I'm not were, a plant. <laughs> what's that? I'm not a plant. You really wanted to talk to me about a question, for real? I really did. I need some Clark Howard advice. All right. Well, let me share with your fellow listener who you are. You um, started the Clark Howard show with me in 1989. Oh, it's so long ago. <laughs> and you were you, my executive producer for a, a long time till 1996? 1999. 99. Okay. Mm -hmm. How time flies. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'll now now you far, who far away. <laughs> but now you who tell me who told me what to do for all those years. For 10 years. Now, you want to ask me for advice? Well, of course. We, uh, we never grow out of needing Clark Howard's advice. No one. Wow. No, one. <laughs> no I feel like, you know, when we used to do travel tips a way long time ago on the Friday Flyer, we had a real-life travel agent person who found all the things and made the magic happen. And now we have the internet and there's so many places to look and I feel like I'm not getting the best deal. Um, so I wanted to know what your method is of buying 
cheap airline flights. So I always start at google.com slash flights because Google okay. a few years ago bought the the guts of the fare uh, storage and reporting system that most of the world's airlines use. So that's why if you go to google.com slash flights, the search results come back quicker than you can even realize they're there. Ah. Quicker than a blink. And they they have a calendar you can pull up, and it'll show you day by day for any route what the cheapest fare is they know of on any airline except Southwest, which doesn't participate. Mm-hmm. And they also have a thing where you can put in your email address, and they'll send you a message every time the fare moves. So instead of you having to constantly look, they'll tell you every time there's a change. So is that the tool that I use first, and then I go to my favorite whatever.com site and buy the ticket? You can. Uh, That's exactly something you can do. You can click over from Google search, and they'll put up all the people they know of that are selling the ticket at that price. Okay. And it ends up being a dead end about 20% of the time, because the fare may not be available by the time you click over, but about 80% of the time, it'll be valid. But I like something mm-hmm. else as well, and it's kayak.com slash explore. Okay. And what it will do is for you, uh, you're in an isolated air market in eastern Oregon and Bend. Mm-hmm. So you can search on kayak.com slash explore from Bend, and it'll show you the lowest fare it knows of anywhere in the United States or anywhere around the world at that time, or you can search month by month to see what the cheapest fare is in that month. But then you can do something else. If you want to go on that long drive to Portland, you can Mm -hmm. also on Kayak put in Portland as a departure point, and it'll then show you the lowest fare from everywhere you're going or considering going from Portland. Or like if you're going to a part of the country where there's more than one airport in an area, you can see the difference and fares to that airport or that region. Cool. I used to I used to always use kayak, but I didn't know about the Splash Explore part. It's really, really helpful. Awesome. See, you're still giving out really great advice, even though the industry has changed a thousand times since you first started working in it. Well, but that's I mean, that's what's so cool. I love the change and I love trying to stay ahead of it. Well, do you get better deals now than you did in the old days, do you think? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The deals are better, but they come with gotchas with all the junk fees. Yes, like if you want to take on your sack lunch and you have to pay $25 more for it. Exactly. So things, <laughs> things have changed that way. But I'm they really have. jealous that you beat me into retirement. Oh, I'm not retired. I'm just teasing. You lied? But I'll be ready. I'll be ready when it's time. <laughs> okay. Well, this is so cool having you on the show. (laughs) Well, thanks. And thanks to Miss Kim and the the team for keeping the show going. It's so inspiring. And and, uh, I'm super proud to know you guys. Thank you, Kim. Have a great day. day. Wow. That's really fun. Michael's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michael. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Michael. And congratulations to you. Are in order, I gather. Uh, yep. Uh, 
shy of one year, I'll be uh, I'll be going down the aisle. Well, that's great. How can I be of service with that? So, my fiance doesn't want to live in her parents' house once we once we're actually married. Um, so we've been. I bet you don't want her to place. live in her parents' house once you're married either, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's they're great people, you know. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good to live with, you know. <laughs> I really can't complain. Uh, more, more so, it's just the, the principal factor of being married and living in a parent's house that she just doesn't want. <laughs> I'm with her. I get it. Yeah, I, I don't blame her. But it just sucks looking at all these uh, these prices for renting places around here. It's it's astronomical. So we we've started thinking: is it more effective to rent a place or maybe to buy something cheap like a condo? And you said. Up here, where are you? Uh, New York, Long Island. Suffolk or Nassau? Uh, Suffolk. All right. So Suffolk, the reason I got that drilled down is Suffolk is a little bit different market than closer in Nassau or obviously the boroughs of New York City. Mm -hmm. And so um, if your intent is to stay on Long Island in Suffolk for a long time, there is value in you looking to buy. But one thing about buying is that you mentioned a condo. A lot of people, particularly you're in a more suburban area, a lot of people look at a condo or a townhouse as almost like a temporary ownership. You know, not something you plan yeah. to be in a long time. So if you so were to the go thing. the way station of a condo, how long would you think you and your fiance would want to live there? Yeah, so that's the thing. Um, in about three years, uh, we're, we're planning to move to North Carolina. Okay, then um, then we're done. You do not buy. You only rent. No. Okay. And until you get to an ownership cycle, particularly with the run-up in values that have taken place, particularly since 2012, <laughs> who knows where values are going to be over the next many years. You want your ownership window to be a minimum of seven years. Seven. Okay. So, because there's so many costs going in, so many costs coming out, and the yeah, trend line, to figure. the trend line for home values has been leveling off, and in some places, values are actually starting to tick down just a, a touch. And you need okay. significant appreciation over the years of ownership to cover the costs in and out. So, okay. definitely, you're a renter. Okay. One thing to look okay. at, though, in addition to traditional rental communities see if you can rent somebody's condo that they have that either they're choosing not to sell or that they want to be a landlord and renting out you tend to get better rent renting somebody's condo or even renting a private home or townhouse than you do renting in a traditional apartment complex okay so that's great to know i would i never would have thought of that so I would recommend that, and best to both of you. Today's Clark Rageous moment is really just a heads up for you. You know, Amazon had uh, a, such unfortunate timing. Black Friday week, they had a leak of users' names and emails, and they have not disclosed how many people were involved. But we have already gotten reports, including it happened to one of our staffers, that she got an email, supposedly from Amazon, looking like it was from Amazon, 
saying there was a problem with her account and she needed to reset it, reset her password. And it was actually a con game. It was a fake email. She went instead to her Amazon account and signed in and everything was as normal. So again, we don't know how wide the data breach is or was at Amazon. And really, shame on Amazon for not disclosing. Maybe they don't know yet how many people. But I want you to know, if you get an out-of-the-blue email, supposedly from Amazon, saying that you need to reset your password, do not click on the link in that email. Instead, go to Amazon and see, and you likely will be able to sign in just as normal. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. You got a question for me? Go to clark.com slash ask and post away. So I have recommended for more than a year now, maybe not quite two years, that when you're getting customer no service from a company or you're being left on hold forever listening to bad off-key music where they tell you how much they value you while they leave you just hanging there, that you should see if there's a customer no service chat. Well, I guess I should call it customer service chat that you can do. And I'm having great success over and over again with customer service chats, particularly when I've had a problem with the company. With the chats, you're able to print out what was said by the company's representative through that chat. So if later they'd say, oh, we don't know anything about that. You can say, look, I got it right here. This is what I was told at this time on this date. And so I'm loving doing the chats. But now I have a warning for you from Gizmodo, which is one of the technology blogs I read. And these live chat services are often set up where as you're doing keystrokes on your computer or your phone to send a message, Often, you might be really upset about something or aggravated or whatever, and so you are writing something snarky or unfriendly or angry. And then before you hit send, you're thinking about it, and you're like, no, that's not going to work. I'm not going to send that. So you erase that, and you type a new, uh, more neutral or friendlier message. Well, let me tell you something. The software that so many companies use for their online chats, once you open that chat, they are using keyboard loggers and they are keystroke loggers and they are reading the, the person who's doing the chat with you is reading what those thoughts are that you don't send. And they know how to gauge what they should do and how they should do it and all the rest based on not what you're saying but really on what you're thinking. And so you got to be really careful now. You know how uh, there's that old thing, letters that you write but are never meant to be sent? You may not know that. Anyway, that's something that used to be a thing in relationships. So anyway, um, when you are engaged in one of these chats, be cautious and careful. Another thing when you are on with a customer no service agent in a phone call and they put you on hold, 
almost always those systems allow them to continue to listen to your side of the conversation even though you can't hear them and so if you're making disparaging comments about that customer no service worker or the company they work for or their accent or anything like that they're hearing it and the results are going to deteriorate really quickly and so that's why be careful what you type be careful what you say and be mindful that almost always polite persistence pays in any dispute or disagreement with any company or service that the person at the other end of that chat or that phone call they may not even work for the company you're complaining about usually they don't usually that's outsourced they only have so much range of what they can do but if you come across as a jerk they're not going to do much for you remember that Karsten's with us on the Clark Howard show hi Karsten yeah hi Todd good afternoon how are you well great to have you here and I hope you're doing well I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call, and, and thank you so much for all the good research you're doing for people on uh, you know different things. But uh, I had a question for you that concerns our teenage son. Well, he I got to uh, ask you a question first. Yeah, though. go ahead, please. All right, so you're in Colorado. Yes. And you should be on the ski slope right now, and instead you're talking to me. Well, you know, we were on the slopes last weekend. So, um, you know, now it's actually back to, to town for working. We might go back into the mountains over the weekend. And where do you like to ski? Well, typically we go to Breckenridge. We yeah. In our family, we all snowboard, and it seems like Breckenridge is one of the more snowboard-friendly resorts. Oh, Breck is such a great resort. But I, yeah. I tend to go to Copper Mountain because I'm too cheap to pay the Breckenridge prices. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. I sometimes I wonder for families, families of four, how they can afford lift prices. I mean, times the times now between Christmas and New Year, it's a hundred and seventy dollars per day per ticket. So it's outrageously expensive. It is, it is. So I don't buy those tickets. You know, last time I was there during a holiday, I skied at A Basin. Yeah, because you know that that's the cheapest ski mountain really in the area. It is. You know, the other thing, uh, you know, maybe for people that's of interest, we have a lot of friends that go into the backcountry and they use, you know, skins on their skis to go uphill. You only get one or two runs, but in that case, you don't pay anything. I am never doing that. I want my <laughs> chairlifts. I don't want to have the workout going up the slope. I just want to have it coming down the slope. So you can have fun uh, with that. I am not doing that. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about your son. Yeah, so he's 16 years old, a great kid, doing really well in school, and a recent uh, new driver to our family. And uh, he has had a teenage combo savings slash checking account for the last two years and manages money by himself very well. He's financially very savvy. He likes to have money in the bank. He knows that he can't spend money that he doesn't have. So now that he is a driver, he is using his I mean, first of all, to fill up the pump, but also when he goes out with friends, you know, to movies or, you know, to go buy to eat somewhere. So he's using his debit card for that purpose that's linked to his checking account. And, you know, based on, on what you have published and everything else, that's probably a smart way to go about this. And my question is, what do you recommend in this case? Are there credit card options that are available to teenagers? 
Yeah, so here's how you would do it. Is And you already said the important stuff, that your 16-year-old is very responsible with money, uh, very conscientious. So what I would do is I would name him as an authorized user on one of your credit cards. Or if you want it just to be for him, apply for a new card in your name and then get him a second card as an authorized user, and he's the only one ever using it, and that way he and you are very easily able to track the spending on it. That way you'll have the protections that come with a credit card, and the best part is when you, uh, with most of the issuers, if you put in his social security number on the application for authorized user, it will then start tracking on a credit report and it will allow him to have good established credit already by the time he goes to college. Okay, so that is possible even for a minor to start building credit at, at, at underage. Absolutely. Okay, so the way I would set this up, then basically get a credit card just dedicated to his auto pay linked to his checking account, correct? If Yeah, I mean, I guess you can do auto pay from any account. Yeah, so even yeah. though he's not the owner of the account, yeah, he could pay the bill. That's true. Okay. And that would great, be that would I mean, be a great way for him to uh, establish credit, have those protections. I love that. And since okay, he's perfect, since he's yeah. a cash payer, I have a particular card I'd like you to look at. Okay. Look at the City Double Cash card. Okay. Because it pays 2% cash back on everything you do. So Okay. Since he'll be a net payer, never running interest charges, getting 2% cash back for the use of the card makes it even better. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll see you on the slopes, but I don't know that I'll see you at Breck just because, well, that's, that's a little too pricey for me, but have a good time. And I don't know what level of skier you are, but I no longer ski black diamonds. I've dialed back to blue and uh, just because I don't want to get hurt anymore. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Clark, what an honor it is to speak with you, sir. Twice in one week. Wow, really? I respect your opinion so highly, yes. So uh, you helped me with a automobile question regarding children, and now I have an automobile question for myself. Well, let's can see if I can please? be helpful. Absolutely. So I'm in the market for a new automobile, uh, new to me. Uh, I'm not a go buy a uh, new car off the lot type individual. I prefer that's pre-owned. I've got my eyes on a Ford Fusion. Uh, I've heard great things about them, uh, both from media and speaking with individuals. I'd like your opinion on that automobile if you have one, number one. And secondly, I'd like your thoughts on that car because it has now been discontinued from the manufacturing process. Ford is no longer making that. Right. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on, on how that might impact me, you know, long term. Parts, so, ownership, things of that nature. All right. Well, let's deal with that part. Um, as far as parts availability... It's not like somebody like Peugeot picking up and leaving the United States, and it's like scrounging for parts at junkyards. You know, uh, there, were, there is such a large inventory of fusions that were built 
over many, many years, more than a decade, that uh, and the parts business is more profitable than the actual manufacturing of cars, okay. that I have no doubt that Ford will continue for many years to come to have an adequate supply of parts for vehicles that have been discontinued. In addition, the aftermarket for car parts, because there's enough inventory out there of Ford Fusions, will continue to well supply the parts for it. Okay. Um, but, but buying uh, what's known as an orphan car, when you buy a, a car that has been discontinued, your cycle of ownership needs to be a longer cycle of ownership. Sure. And so your this Fusion you'd buy, you'd intend to own how long? I'm a buy and hold guy, Clark. Uh, then you're I've got perfect. A then Chevrolet you... now, and I've had it for probably ten plus years. Great. I could easily foresee, you know, having this vehicle for eight to ten years uh, easily. Then, then the fact that it's a discontinued model for that length of period will have no meaningful effect at all on what the value of it would be eight to ten years down the road. It'd be different okay. if you were saying you wanted to own one for a couple of years, but eight to ten years, it will be meaningless that it's a discontinued model. Okay. Now, All something right. else about the Fusion, what model year Fusion are you interested in? Great question. Um, financially, I'm, I'm looking, you know, at probably a 2016, maybe a 17, knowing that we've got a new year about to roll around. Okay. Somewhere, but you know, say somewhere. Let's just say sixteen to sixteen to seventeen, something like that. All right. So while we've been chatting, producer Joel pulled up the record of reliability on the Fusion, okay. and based on what Consumer Reports has found, the seventeens and eighteens you should avoid. The sixteens and earlier's have much better records of reliability than the seventeens and eighteens. Interesting. Okay. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, how about that? I mean, we are, we are real-time researchers here. <laughs> Push a button. Yeah, well, so. thank you very much for your guidance. Uh, so you wouldn't hesitate owning this vehicle, say, a 16 model? No. I mean, you know, as long as you have it checked out by a mechanic of your choosing. Sure. And that's such a key step with used vehicles that most people ignore. But if you do that, you're going to eliminate... A lot of the unknowns, like whether um, uh, whether the vehicle's been in a wreck that wasn't disclosed, whether it's been a flood car, a lot of flood cars out there right now because of the unfortunate series of hurricanes we've had in the last couple of years. And that is true. So having it checked out, a mechanic's going to find any serious flaws. They may miss more minor ones, and they'll be able to tell you the flood aspect, and that will give you peace of mind buying it and sounds like it's going to be a great purchase buying a car used and keeping it as long as a decade that is a sweet spot this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance hey listeners whether you love true crime or comedies celebrity interviews news or even motivational speakers you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue right and guess what now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question at Clark.com slash ask. And then producer Joel asks it for you. Yeah, Clark, Olga's got a question. She says, have you heard of the product called Fixed? You put it into your car and it analyzes whether there's anything going on with it. What do you think about that? So, yeah, this is this is a neat thing. There are many competitors of this one as well that you plug into what's known as the OBD that is under the dash, often uh, used for in areas of the country where there are emissions tests that are required of cars each year. The emissions tester will plug into the OBD and it'll give them the readings they need to see. It also gives the readings from all the computer systems in a car to let you know what problems may be going on with the vehicle. Now, uh, you can buy one of these devices like the brand you mentioned or something today that's very common is most auto parts store chains will do a free OBD reading for you where you can go there and they'll do the plug-in for you on their device and tell you what codes come up. And the codes then you translate into what issue your vehicle may have. All right, and Brian wrote in, he says, is it a completely stupid idea to remove the last four digits off your debit card to make it more difficult for people to steal this information? I'm pretty handy with a hammer. (laughs) So uh, no real advantage to that because the problems with debit card fraud or theft aren't happening from somebody glancing over your shoulder and reading the numbers. It's from the skimmers that are attached principally at gas stations that pay at the pump are able to record the information on the debit card, capture it uh, remotely, over the internet and then immediately duplicate your card and use it. So the real vulnerability is the debit card itself, not the numbers that are printed on it. And by the way, you may have noticed a lot of debit and credit cards now come with no number on the front at all, just a just a logo for the card and the numbers in small type on the back. All right, Clark, and Leroy wrote, and he said, I received a form from a census agency asking a lot of personal information. Is this legit? Should I provide it? The the community survey, and we get calls about the community survey regularly, is something that is not required as part of the census by the Constitution, but the Supreme Court has interpreted that Congress has the right to pass laws that force you to give very extensive personal information. My advice, give only what feels comfortable to you on the survey. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.